Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Grognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We are joined on the Young Grognard podcast with our Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign. We're still in Adventure 1, The Queen, Quest 1, Scraping the Barrel. This is Session 4 in that oh, quest. Oh shit, I get it, because it's Coopersford, and they make barrel. Fuck! Alright. <laughs> Damn. Welcome to the podcast. So anyway, um, yeah, in the last episodes uh, leading up to this point, our party made it to a town that's in desperate need of some help. They met with an invisible voice that apparently has a bunch of baggage and a strange story to it. Demon worship. Apparently that's not even the demon that's being worshipped. There's some other demons involved. Strangeness going on. A dwarf who can't hold on to his crossbow bolts for the life of him. Uh, magical rain that appears when players demand it. And we meet a very interesting character, Mr. Gilmo, who works at the Cooperage. Apparently there's some leads in this town of weird burnt lacerations on dead animals and apparently a dead orc in the area. And meeting up with Gilmo, we find out that he's a bit more of a tortured soul than was led to believe before, who is madly in love with a woman named Olimia, who is currently scaring Aklika into chomping on Jarzak's head. So we're going to flop right back into this one, quick and speedy, with Klika about throat deep on Jarzak's head. Oh, Klika, stop! And so with that, ah. Olivia giggles in the most, like, tiny anime lady way of, like, <laughs> and laughs at both of you two and says, we don't see enough of your kind around here. Honestly, very charming. And she turns on heel and continues back in with a level of, like, power woman walk that could just... I don't know. It's it's almost mortifying that she's about four foot ten, eleven maybe, and yet she carries with her like the the strength of probably Jarzak himself, right? So, so once, she walks by once, you guys. Once she gets out of earshot, Jarzak's just gonna say softly to Klika, "She looked like a fine warrior." Jarzak, that's the bad ghost lady. Yeah, uh, what? No. We also talk about how you guys are just standing in the entrance to like a whole workshop and you guys are literally just standing in the doorway as if <laughs> vampires that can't go in unless invited. No, there's only one person standing in the doorway and someone sitting on their shoulders. So This feels like a riddle. I feel like I'm given a <laughs> riddle right now. Like two people outside of the building, two feet enter, four two legs bodies in inside. The morning, <laughs> two legs in the afternoon. And, and an orc's head in its mouth. Yeah, and three legs in the evening. 
And it turns out it's Klika and Jarzak. We're going to see how we get the three legs by the end of the day. I think we know the third <laughs> leg. <laughs> oh, like anyway, know. so on to other business. Um, so with that, Olimia comes around the corner over by Anton and Nor Hill with Gilmo. And Gilmo, almost as if he saw a ghost again, stops and like borderline faints as he grabs onto that wooden post that he was trying to pretend to screw something onto earlier. And he holds himself up and he looks over at what appears to be Olimia. And you guys look over and see her standing there. And she looks at him and gives him a little bit of a wink and like a little tiny petite wave and comes like hurtling over at full speed. And he open arms with smelly unbathed armpits with big old rings of sweat stain dangling. He's just like, my love. And she runs over and grabs onto him. And when I say that there's a difference in like levels of social class and attraction here, they look like two different worlds of a person. But as they embrace, you guys can tell that like there's some superb sense of attraction and love here, some strange sense of magnetism. And as they kind of embrace really tightly, it seems as if they kind of forget that you guys came in in the first place or even are there. And as they look longingly and deep into each other's eyes, he looks slowly away from her at you guys, both uh, Norhill and Anton. And he kind of looks back to her and says, honey, I don't think we can do this right now. I, I, I just, I'll see you later, okay? Things are just still kind of weird down here, okay? And she pulls away from him and she says, okay, I love you. And she turns away and like with a powerful stride, almost as if Gilmo himself is like being strung along a fishing line, like takes one half step behind her as she walks away. And he looks back at you two and almost has a look of like anger that you interrupted this little festival of, of love and attraction. And he just says, Look, I don't really know why you guys are here or what you want from me. Whatever it is that your friend did with that, with that trick with the broom, it wasn't funny, okay? So if you just butt out, that would be fine with me. Well, we're actually here because we wanted to ask you a couple of things. And we apologize for the broom act that was greatly distasteful. So he, he lifts his hands up to the to the board next to him where he pretended to be screwing things in or whatever. And he's like, can't you see I'm very busy right now? And he holds up a hammer and he says, this isn't going to fix itself. See. Well, see. well, we should see. only need a few moments of your time. And he says, well, I gotta be working if I'm gonna be answering questions because I am already on my last chance here and my uncle's not gonna be happy. So go ahead, ask away. And he starts hammering this piece of wood, leaving little wood dents, like just like funking into the wood, doing absolutely nothing good for anybody. And if anything, splintering the wood a little bit. So you guys, in between his cadenced little thunk, 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 go ahead and ask him a question. How long have you known I'm going to say Ophelia. It's not Ophelia. It's certainly not Ophelia. Olympia. It's Olympia with an M. And so with that, uh, he says... You two seem to be very close. I have a wonderful chemistry. And he, he like stops and poetically swings on one foot and he says, Do you believe in love at first sight? Because I didn't either. And I saw her and I just knew it. And she came right over to me at, at the Green Onion and she said, Can I buy you a drink? And I said, yeah. And he turns right back around and starts hammering at it. He says, I've only known her for like a couple weeks and she's just changed my life for all the better. I'm a better man. 
look at me. AZ turns around again with hammer in hand and he says, I'm absolutely killing it at work. And I'm, oh man, that could have been such like a weird thing of foreshadowing, but it's not. But, oh man. All right, plot twist. He's actually murdering people in here. But um, <laughs> that he says, I'm doing a great job at work. I'm happier. I think my hair's growing back. And, and it's just, I couldn't be happier. And he just turns around and starts thunking again. Happiness does lead, lead to a way of lights and enlightening. That does sound wonderful indeed. Have you ever seen her in town before you met her a few weeks ago? Does she look familiar in any way? Lots of people coming through here, and I've spent a lot of time with my head aimed down at the stones at my feet. I don't know if you've noticed this, but she's the best thing that ever happened to me, and I haven't had many good things happen, so I didn't see her before, but she saw me, and she's saving me. You know what I mean? I understand. It's good to have someone like that, especially given some of your stranger experiences of late were given to understand. I'm not going to lie. I thought Norhill was just about to lay a fat stack of insult on this guy and be like, given your <laughs> appearance. <laughs> Which, for what it's worth, Norhill and Gilmo have a very similar body type. It's just one of you is a human and one of you is a dwarf. But with <laughs> given your ugly appearance. But with that, he, he stops hammering for a second and he says, you say anything about that while well, she's around here? And he turns with hammer in hand and almost in a borderline threatening way that he even pulls back himself for a second. He says, I want you just to not talk about anything you heard about me, okay? Not when she's well, here. Now, uh, you've got nothing to worry about. We believe you, in fact. He lifts an eyebrow incredulously. Well, and he says, "So you heard the ghost? Did he tell you to kill her too?" Anton kind of gives a look to give a sense like he's keeping something secretive, and he says, "Yes, we have made contact." He says, "Are you planning on killing her?" We plan of no such thing. We are followers. At least I am. I am a follower of the light. Unless I find a reason. I don't know about him, though. (laughs) I am a dwarf. I I saw him shoot a crossbow, okay? I saw him shoot that ghost with a crossbow. (laughs) And at this... the, the, The ghost refused to say her specifically, but we have no desire to kill him. At this point, Olivia, walking by the entrance of this place, walks by Jarzak and Klika, and as she starts walking down this hallway towards you guys, she stops for a second in front of Jarzak and says, are those your, are those your friends in there talking to Gilmo? Uh, I'm not too sure. My friends did go that way. Hmm. Well, are you staying with them at the Green Onion this evening? Yeah, are you going to be there? And so she lifts one hand up, puts it as close to Jarzak's peck as possible, and slowly grazes fingertips down, and she says, if you're going to be there, I might just have to stay the night. And she uh, walks away uh, uh, with, like, uh, uh. an insulting level of... Jarzak just, like, 
turns his head so much. He goes like, you're getting sweaty. <laughs> he starts licking the sweat. Clica <laughs> uh, uses the mob. Yep. Just Clica, am I dreaming right now? Like, just <laughs> like, no, nah, dog, you can get it. <laughs> just a little high five. Darzak, I think she likes you. I, I, I've never had anyone like me before. Oh, here comes oh, like the real this. fight. Exciting. Oh, no. Jarzak and Gilmo. Klika is going to do your hair. You're going to look so pretty. Yes. <laughs> look like the finest warrior. God damn it. And so with that, we cut back to Gilmo and Anton and Norhill. And so with that, he just says, he kept telling me that I had to kill her. Said something about dead body. He sounded so crazy, this ghost. Why was he talking to me? I think I he's jealous know. of her love. And I think that smelly old ghost wants to love her instead of me. Well, I must warn that even though the light is great, it can be blinding. This woman, you may love her very much, but with love can come blindness to other things you may not see. She may have known others before she came to this town who may know something about her that you don't. You're calling her a whore? Wait no, a minute, Anton. Hey, hey, now. She does what she wants, damn it. Listen here, Grandpa, you dirty old communist. <laughs> but <laughs> with that, okay. with that, uh, <laughs> sorry. So with that, he's got he, some pamphlets to hand out to the workers that, while yeah. he's here. <laughs> Just no unions written on the wall, but Gilmo's been hitting it with a hammer long enough that nobody can tell. But with that, um, he's like, it says no onions in here, okay? Somebody's <laughs> very allergic to onions. And we are not allowed to onionize while we're here. Oh my goodness. There's no way I'm the first one to make that joke. There's no way. Okay, but either way, uh, all, all onionizing at, at, uh, aside, he says, what are you trying to say? Are you uh, are you saying she's a bad person too? Wait a minute. Saying no wonder why you know that ghost. You stay away from me, and you stay away from her. And he picks up his hammer and starts to like aim it towards you a little bit. And he says, "If I see you anywhere near my Olimia, I don't know what I'm gonna do. But you better hope that I hit you hard enough once that you don't have to experience it at all." Mr. Anton kind of brings up his shield and he's... Oh. We're, not, we're, not try, we're not trying to say anything untoward about your lady. I had a little diplomacy on that there, Norhill. What's that? What? What's that? Persuasion. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm just throwing out any skill I want. I'm just going to start saying... Jump check. Yeah, roll a jump check. 13. Fail. And so with that, he looks at you with a squinty eye and he looks back at Anton and he calms down a little bit and lowers the hammer and he says, listen, okay, I've been through a lot and I'm sick of fighting people over this, okay? Alimia is a beautiful woman and she's got a lot of strange things that she wants in this world, okay? But she loves to come here after dark with me and we talk about romance and our lives together, okay? And I think that that's just my business, okay? 
And so I think you guys just need to back off. She's a wonderful woman. I understand. Fine. I think that it might be comforting for you to know that this uh, ghost that so bedevils you is no spirit at all, but a man accursed. Uh, you should listen not at all to his maddened rab- uh, to his maddened ravings, for he has no real power. Wait a minute. That means he's a person. That means he probably does want to limit you. Oh. He says, I'm gonna, wait, is he still at that inn? I'll tell you and what. Kind of raises he, his... that he may not be returning to the inn for some time. We were able to take him off. <laughs> yeah, with a fucking crossbow. <laughs> and hey, the bolt that shot him. That guy is really sketchy. I'm going to defend that decision until the day that I die. Turns out he's the one redeemable character in the entire campaign. <laughs> and he's going to always have it under his belt that you fucking shot him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he openly admitted to serving one demon prince and then also admitted that he was accidentally serving another demon prince. Hey, man, not all demon very- princes are bad, okay? And the yes, they are. According <laughs> to the information that he's getting from these demon princes, like this is not a good guy. Fair enough. So with that, Gilmo says, "Listen, you guys gotta get out of here, okay?" Thank you for your time. Anton's a little bit um hesitant. This guy does not look like a safe guy to have around. Like. He's, this guy is clearly going to fuck up something. I'm not really sure how to respond to this. So Anton's going to go after Gilmo. Norhill's going to go after this other guy. And Jarzak and Klika are just like high-fiving over some chick Where- touching his boob. Klika, my, my heart's only raced this fast in battle. What does this mean? Is this the sub-campaign plot? We're going to like try to get Jarzak a girlfriend. <laughs> it turns out that's all he really needed. The finest warrior at my side. (laughs) A hot Valkyrie babe at my side. (laughs) And then it turns out it was Klika all along. Oh. That would, huh. All right. Uh All right, guys. Calm down. She finally lets her hair down and takes the glasses off, and it turns out she was hot the whole time. (laughs) And cross-eyed. Um... That just means she's got her eyes on one prize at all times. Uh-huh. He's just pennies. as dedicated as Jarzak. <laughs> pennies. Swollen <laughs> <laughs> pennies. But anyway, um, okay, so what's the group going to do now that you're leaving Gilmo alone? Yeah, Anton's just going to give him a look and say, violence will not solve anything. Please, please, please remember that. For if you go on a path of violence, violence will come for you. And he kind of leaves with that. Ronnie, you're doing a pretty good job with this clear. It sound like you've ever patrolled the front lines before. Damn. Actually, okay, I'm not going to lie. That's very picturesque for both these two characters. And I feel like that's exactly like the snapshot one-liner to receive from both of you in that point. And the fact that Nora Hill's that dedicated to like his curmudgeonous cut and stone beliefs about his things, that he wouldn't even be polite enough not to interrupt Anton clearly trying to make peace here without trying to throw in his little war story wisdom where he's like, you've never seen battle. It's like, okay, thank you, Peepaw. Let's go. Orville's not even that old for a dwarf. He's been an adult for like 10 years. Very good. I'm an adult for 50. 
Okay, for the love of God. Okay, so we make it back to the front door, and Jarzak and Kalika are still talking about hearts racing and about getting Jarzak his big makeover. Yes. <laughs> All right. No trouble on this front, I presume. I met the most beautiful warrior. Oh, uh, the bad, the bad sweet man didn't come back through here, so we're good. Wait, the bad sweet man? Yeah. Who the hell is the bad sweet man? Gilmore. The guy who can sweep. Gilmore. Oh, yeah. Sweep. I thought he said sweet. I'm like, who's the bad sweet man? Like, that's That's Cleekus. Dan, keep up. It's the invisible man covered in marmalade. (laughs) The bad sweet man. Oh, no. He's so tasty. So, so, yeah, I found out from Cleeka you. You don't hold the broom that way, so yeah, he was bad at sweeping. And and, and Jarzak has a girlfriend. Guys, I I think I got a, a date. Only ah. one only one woman came through here. I think I know who you mean. She's spoken for. I wouldn't get involved. I that is the most I, Norhill way of putting it too. She's spoken for, bud. I mean, I will. Whoever <laughs> speaks for her, I will fight them. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, no. And so, with that, the party. Um, what's the next course of action here? It's probably about two o'clock at this point. I remember that somebody was interested in maybe going to observe the spot where that orc died. Oh, yes. Well, it sounds like it's in the middle of the woods to the east. Would you guys like to go travel into the woods and just kind of wander aimlessly to find the body? Uh, Not aimlessly. We have an idea of where it is. Well, why would it still be? I mean, it just said the the woods to the east. Wait a minute. Why would it still be there if the guards found it? They just kind of left it in the woods. Like, I mean, I guess, I guess more so. What I meant was the idea that, like, go to that spot and try to see in the area if there's something out there that did it that could be found to kind of answer some questions. But yeah, I mean, if you guys would like to go out there to the eastern woods and just kind of scout around and explore, then by all means, you could do that. I mean, luckily nobody has any woodsmanly skills. (laughs) We can start. Um, by where they found the farm animals in the southeast, and work our way kind of towards the where we think the orc would be from there. That way, we cover the whole range because they were both burned and lacerated. So, sure, we pick one and move towards the other. You know, sure. So you guys can just kind of follow the main river that runs through town, just south, and there's a bunch of farms that are based on it. So, if you guys would like to, you can just follow the river and wait till you find more cottages and ask around when you get close to them. Sure, that sounds like a good idea. Okay, so following the rushing river for quite a few hours, the party walks along um, various little rolling hills in, in the fields following this pretty large river as it cuts through. Eventually it reaches points where it's rather shallow, but the cloudy skies above um, give like the last rays of warmth for the fall weather. And the winds are really nice and relieving as you guys are wearing what I imagine would be armor in a lot of your cases. Um, But as you guys are trudging along and adventuring this way along the river's path, you guys can see that there are some little hamlets out here with like four or five cottages and like little circles and a bunch of yeomen about with like sheep and and, uh, various other livestock that are just kind of meandering about grazing and all that stuff. And as you guys are walking along, 
um, you guys happen to see um, one farmer with, or a yeoman with a bunch of sheep, probably a whole flock of like 15 or 20 of them in total. And he's got them all at the water's edge as a bunch of them are lapping at the water and getting a big old drinky drink. Um, and as you guys start to get closer, he has his shepherd's crook at the ready and he kind of like turns you guys his way. And you can tell that he's sort of a uh, kind of a crinkly, wrinkly, wrinkly looking old man. But as you guys approach, he thumps it into the ground one time and he says, he says, what are you doing near me farm? We're following up on a strange series of events that the guard had noticed not so long ago. Uh, mutilated bodies of farm animals and orcs left in the woods. Uh, would you happen to know where to look for these? And he says, as he kind of like lifts his eyebrows and then closes them real quick on his eyes, squinting, looking each one of you guys over, noticing the orc and the goblin amongst you. And he says, yeah, I bet you got some information you're looking for. And if you want some mutton and you want some food, you're going to have to go elsewhere. I'm no fool. Nobody was planning on eating them. Oh. Well, as he looks down at the ground and the grasses that are kind of flowing a little bit in the wind, he says, I had two of me sheep die. I found them dead, not far from me home, and I found them torn to pieces and scorched and burned. Huge gaping wounds in them. But not a bit of meat was eaten. It was as if something just killed them angrily and let them go. What a waste. And so with that, he'd like, <clears throat> and then he thinks about it for a second. He's like, eh, good point. Um, one thing I will say, if I can get a perception check real quick from you guys. Look at that, Jared. I can say the right thing on the first try. You did it. Okay. Let's see if you did it. Six. I'm too busy. Uh, six. I'm too busy uh, talking to the farmer. Little sheepish. Seventeen. 20, not nat. 14. Okay, so the 14, the 17 I heard, and the 20, you guys can tell as Norhill's kind of getting closer and talking to the shepherd, getting a little bit more dwarfy with him and like kind of putting hands on the belt and everything, slowly walking forward and getting more like dickerish with information here. Uh, you guys all can see in the in like your peripheral vision uh, alongside the river that a series of like six or eight barrels all kind of held together loosely with a bit of rope are flowing down this river pretty gently with no like just listlessly following the river as barrels in a cooperage, you know, they usually send barrels down river to get to different drop-off points. But Jarzak notices something a little bit more sinister than anybody else notices. As he can tell, as this is going down this babbling bit of a river here, you can hear the rushing against the stones. You hear the, undis uh, the, uh, the, the unmistakable sound of somebody knocking on wood as if something's thumping around inside the barrel. And as it seems to go faster and past you, it's almost as if you didn't hear anything at all. I, I imagine as soon as I heard it, I would start sprinting towards the barrels. Okay. And as you do, the river itself is about 20 feet wide at the widest. Like this is a major river and it does seem pretty deep. So if you're going to want to try to chase after it, jump in and everything, I'm going to need yep. an athletics check. That's, that's good. That's my specialty. Trust me. Uh, got a nine. <laughs> J 
just as good at this as I am at grappling, guys. So you jump into the water and you plunk in after it. And the river's current seems to be pulling the barrels in a nice way on the top part. But you kind of like cannonball in. And it seems like the barrels are kind of getting away from you as it's as they're floating down the river. And as you try to swim to catch up with them, you actually get pulled under by the current a bit. Not to the point uh, of drowning, but you're like struggling to keep afloat. And I'll have it known that this shepherd, as well as the rest of the party, just see you cannonball in the river and are just like, guys, I can't swim! <laughs> like, you ever think we create our own problems in this campaign? <laughs> That's how it goes in every game. Oh, yeah. So, with that, as the barrels continue to float down the river, can I get another athletics check from you as you're trying to get out of here? Is anybody going to go try to come to his aid? I am. I'm going to bring my rope with me. Just getting glass one. I mean, you can throw the rope and you can try to grab it, but... Uh, not one. Oh, Jesus Christ. I and am. Thus goes Bye-bye. the tale of Jarzak. <laughs> As he jumped in and drowned. But okay, so with that, uh, Jarzak plunks in and starts to go under. Um, and you got a really decent con score, so I don't imagine we're going to be at a risk of drowning anytime soon. But at this point, uh, the shepherd runs over to the water's edge. Anton's run over to the water's edge. Anton threw in the rope. So if you would like to, you can roll another athletics check as you're kind of pulled under. Let's see if you can pull yourself back up. Four. Jesus fucking Christ. Well, I'm pretty sure the rule is for drowning to death is it's your con score, right? Number of rounds? Mm. It's pretty sure that's right. Uh, an adventurer can hold their breath for, I think, five minutes plus an additional like con score amount. It's a pretty good amount of time if we're in combat. So that's ridiculous. That's a I'm, pretty good lung power. I'm good. I'm I'm a sink to the bottom and just run across the bottom to catch up to the barrels. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? Let's roll another athletics check as you're now drifting farther down the river. Eight. And so with that, you manage to come to the surface, but you're not able to like swim effectively in any direction. So you've come afloat, got a bit of a breath of fresh air, and you can see the rope dangling by the water's edge, but slowly going back towards the shoreline. So let's get another athletics. As soon as I come back up, I just shout, guys, we got to get the barrels. And at this point, they see you blubbering and drowning, and they see the barrels have already made their way pretty far past you. Six. Okay. We'll say that you may get far enough to grab the goddamn rope because I'm not losing you over a fucking <laughs> women in the no, river. No, it's, it's, I got more air. I have five more minutes. I'm so sick leave. of that rule. And so with that, the the uh, Anton pulls Jarzak out of the water and he climbs up on shore. And at this point, the barrel's already made quite a ways down the river. Oh, you don't seem like much of a swimmer. Uh, not, not, a, not a good time for a sudden dip. With that, the shepherd has already begun to, like, take his sheep and get the heck out of here. Jarzak, you didn't even bring your bathing suit. And you ruined your makeup. You have a big date. (laughs) Uh, You know, I didn't grow up near the water. I don't know how to swim, guys. Says the orc raced on an island, completely (laughs) surrounded by... Anyway, whatever. (laughs) I'm not from that part of the island. Jarzak, I was from why the center. After these barrels, I heard a noise. I think someone's in them. Do the barrels I, look of a size to hold like a normal sized individual? If a person was in there, they are in there tight and not doing well. 
You can fit a body in a barrel. That's what I'm saying is it's like if they're in there, if it's a full-grown adult, it's not a comfy place to be. Is how much of a chance do we have of running after it and catching up? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm a sprint. I'm a sprint alongside the river instead of jumping in. Okay. So the game so the gang run after the barrels and make it over to the uh to the barrels after about 5 minutes of like chasing them hard and making up that distance. Um, and at this point, the party are chasing alongside the barrels at a brisk pace. What would you guys like to do to try to rein them in? And sorry, I just want to, so we know for the future, it's a uh, creature can hold its breath for a number of minutes equal to one plus its constitution modifier. And then when a creature runs out of breath or is choking, it can survive for a number of rounds equal to its constitution modifier. That is just so wild to me. But either way, okay, fair that's, enough. That's only one minute if you have no con that's minimum still, okay. of 30 seconds if you don't have any con it says so, that's well, still five I don't, rounds, oh well if you have either way either way on. not important for right now how's the party going to try to get these things out of the water is there a, is there like a bend or a point in the river where the flow would slow down anywhere nearby not anywhere nearby can clica use her mage hand to try and wrangle one they're of all tied together Okay. Not not I mean, tight, but they're all like kind of loosely held together with a rope, keeping them all kind of in check. So if you were going to pull one, you'd have to can, be pulling all of them. Well, wouldn't you right. tie a rope to a crossbow bolt, shoot one of the barrels, and then haul in it? There might be someone alive inside. Not if they get shot, though. Let Norhill do it. He's a great shot. Uh, can, what can about I a you? grappling hook? Does anyone have a grappling hook? No. You're a dwarf. How do you know how a grappling hook? What the hell kind of racism is that? Everybody knows dwarves got grappling hooks. I feel like they would have all that climbing stuff for moving around underground. Fair enough. I, okay, I suppose. All right. So, what's the plan? Well, uh, since I actually don't have a grappling hook because I'm not an underground climbing dwarf, um, <laughs> I think the word is splunking at that point. But you know, neither here nor there. Uh, I mean, I. Yes, uh, trying to shoot it with a crossbow bolt would work. I guess. What's the makeup of the bolt? Like, I mean, you could best? you could try your hardest to tie it onto there. There is something of a fastened like feather at the end of it, so it is something that you could tie a rope and it wouldn't immediately pull off of that. With the right amount of a tight rope tying and like the right way of it, you can fire it out of the crossbow. It's not going to be an easy shot. It's going to be a disadvantage. But you might be able to do it. So if somebody would like to and, roll, yeah, I'm also wondering if uh, you know the tip of the bolt is constructed in such a way that it would latch onto the barrel. I mean, no matter what, that amount of force shooting into it and a barrel trying to be pretty airtight and with really dense wood, if you're going to be able to pierce the wood, it'll probably be held in there pretty snug. You know what I mean? Uh, so what before a- we try that, is there room between like the rope? or the rope going around the barrels and the actual barrels like are, well yeah because of the way barrels are shaped there would have to be like some spaces like that right sure the rope's can, loose enough around it that you could can clica use mage hand to just take a rope out there and put it through that like loop it around and then bring the rope back yeah one end in her hand so now she has both. but because the speed of this and the dexterity is going to require on it i'm going to need an athletics check to be able to keep up with it and a speed that you can like properly gauge that sort of hand movement or you can have jarzak do the piggyback yeah can jarzak use lightning lure and just rip them all in and explode them oh my god (laughs) that sounds like a great idea oh perfect 
<laughs> so with that, uh, Kalika tumbles up on top of Jarzak's shoulders, and Jarzak goes full bestial sprint, chasing after the barrels to try to keep a pretty even pace. So go ahead and roll with that <laughs> athletics. Meanwhile, Norhill's loading his crossbow. There's not even a rope tied to it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, if this is the plan that we're going for, we're not going to do that. Norhill's going to yeah, I mean, uh, it... try his best to keep up uh, so that he can help to haul in the barrels when we have the rope. Okay, you can roll an athletics check, too, uh, just because your speed. Um, so what do we get for Jarzak? Oh, I'm rolling athletics? Yeah, because you're the one who's going to be carrying Klika, right? Yeah, but I'm just running. Yeah, but you've got to run at a particular pace to be able to keep up with them and be like perfectly on par with it. And I got a 10 on that athletics track. Oh, I got a 17. Boom. My first good one, boys. And so with that, you launch click up on shoulder and you chase after it at a particular pace where you're like perfectly far enough up that she can like angle it and overcompensate for the speed it's going on the river. And so with that, the rope gets pulled through by the little goblinish spectral hand and the rope starts to pull back towards you guys at almost like the perfect 25-25 uh, length for the 50 foot of rope. So at this point... Um, you have both parts of the rope in your hands, and it seems to be looped around all the barrels. So who's going to help pull these all in? Norhill. Okay, so Norhill and Jarzak can both pull it in with a moderate amount of strength between the two of you. And as you pull it in, you notice that they feel really heavy. Um, but as you guys pull them over to the shore, you can manage to lug them up one at a time, holding on to the rope that's keeping them all together. And you pull up about six to eight of them. So about, yeah, we'll just say seven. And as you plunk them all up on the shore, uh, if you guys would like, you can just start splintering them open and trying to pick them all open. Um, just smacking them to pieces. Garzak's going to start going around and knocking on each one to see if there's any response. That's a good idea. And so at that point, uh, once you get to like the third or fourth of them, you hear a light gingerish kind of knocking back, very faint. Someone in there? And you just hear like the knocking continue a couple more times, getting lighter and more gentle as it continues to knock. All right, we should probably pop this one first. Okay, so as you use your orcish strength and kind of just pull the edges of it, you splinter the iron band holding the barrel um, together, and the top just bursts right open. And inside, you see what looks like an emaciated and well-tortured and beaten young man who probably looks to be about, I would say, maybe 20-something years old, 20-something something around there, but he looks like he's been through some real rough times uh, and he looks up at you guys with a look of almost like wishing for death and he looks <laughs> up at you guys really slowly and he says who are you? I just realized he's looking up and the only thing he sees is this big orc <laughs> looking down and he's like put me back in the water and not to mention the Bringing goblin like dangling from yeah, right on his shoulder, just like peering in, really excited. Full armor. Like, why does he smell like pennies? Um, Charzak's just gonna reach in to grab him out and be like, "Oh, we're here to help," (laughs) and lift him out and just be like, "Anton, we're gonna need help over here." Yeah, and Anton goes rushes over to the barrel and says, "Settle him on the ground." Medic, check the others. What were you saying, Anthony? I was just saying that, you know, just at the same time as uh, Jarzak is calling for help, Norhill is also shouting, Medic! Naturally, in the middle of the field. 
It's more of a knee jerk than anything. Uh, Jarzak's no longer gonna knock and just like speed open all the rest of them. The majority of the other ones just have things like um, uh, uh, cornmeal, things like flour, things like uh, uh, like filings and whatnot. So it's it's not much of anything important in here. Just a bunch of like raw materials getting shipped as usual, and it I'm seems the only thing gonna lose a lot of money. And so with that, the one guy that you plopped out, he's laying on the uh, on the grass here, and he's looking up at you guys with faintness in his eyes, and he just keeps saying, he says, please, he says, don't bring me back to Cooperford. They'll know I didn't. <coughs> and he starts to kind of like keel over a little bit. I'm going to cast um, healing word on him. Yeah, I mean, it's not a matter of it. Yeah, okay, so you, you cast the spell, and it seems like some of his wounds start to seal up a little bit, and he starts to feel a little bit remedied by the light coming from your hands. And with that, he looks up at you with a, a newly found sense of rejuvenation, and he looks up and he says, I just, all I remember is the pain. He says, I, she was so beautiful, and... Uh, and he just starts to like feel at his head and you notice when he moves his hand away that there's a huge thunk mark on the side of his head and he looks back at you guys and he says is she okay? I hope they didn't get her too. Give us a name. Who's she? It was Ovaltine. No, I'm just kidding. Olimia. <gasps> and he says Olimia. And so with that, he kind of just rolls a little bit and that's where we're going to end this episode of the podcast. Oh. Hey everybody, it's the Young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dangerous. Thanks.